Alright guys, so I got a little bit of a hot take right now. So, we're getting ready to record, alright? Brie texts me, she's like, hey, you ready? I'm like, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good to go. And she's like, alright. She, uh, she waited for me, uh, until I, uh, responded to her, and, uh, and, you know, I responded. I responded in one minute, one minute, one minute. And then, uh, I sent her a Zoom link. I'm sitting here in front of my computer for eight minutes, staring at it like an idiot, waiting for the invitation, and then I realized that nearly ten minutes have passed. I FaceTime her, her daughter answers, looking like a complete <laughs> fool, uh, just face right in the camera, just like, what are you doing calling me? And I said, the hell. Uh, her, she runs like a, like a, just a, a fool, just right, right over to Brie, hands it to a bigger fool, and then this, this bigger fool goes, uh, hey, why are you calling me? I go, hey. I've been waiting here for like eight minutes. She goes, what do you mean? I waited for you forever. And I said, hold on. I go back to the messages. One minute passed, maybe one minute, 12 seconds at the max. And uh, that was her That was her definition of waiting for me. And uh, she gave up very, very fast. That's my story. I don't wait for long. It's either now or never with me at all times. So yeah, that's how my uh, morning went. Welcome to True Crime Thursdays. Welcome back to Horse Suit, baby. this uh, week's episode of True Crime Thursdays. I almost said uh, Tuesdays. I would like to welcome <laughs> Bree. It is a radio show. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're calling it now. That's fine. Oh, Bree, what are we discussing today? Today we will be discussing... The terrible, terrible, god awful tool toolbox murders, murderers, killers, yeah, I, toolbox uh, murderer killers, god awful human beings. I fucking hate them, and I uh, hope they burn. I really don't want to discuss this one. I yeah, I think I messaged you like a week ago, and I was like, dude, I don't think I want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Like it's it this one has gotten to me. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's, it's fucked me up a little bit, especially, like, just learning new shit about it every single day, and it just gets progressively worse and worse. It's, it's not fun. It's not a fun case. No, it's not. And, you know, this has been very real for a good while now, but it's a little too real now, and I'm gonna step out. It's, uh, are you, Caleb's gone. All right. Yeah, I'm just gonna move on with my day. Goodbye. (laughs) Okay, so to start off, I'm going to give one giant fucking trigger warning. Uh, Today's episode is pretty, pretty saturated with, like, uh, sexual abuse and just torture and rapes. So if you don't want to hear any any of that, I totally understand. Go ahead and click off, and uh, you probably won't find anything any better on our episodes, so... (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty much all the stuff that you want to hear but don't want to hear at the same time. So just be be aware. It's extremely fucked up. It's this, yeah, like I said, this shit's getting to me. Yeah, this is one of the worst cases that we've talked about easily. Like, I mean, we've talked about some really fucked up cases, but this one's really bad. This, yeah, this is my least favorite one. Okay, so anyways, 
The toolbox killers were two American serial killers who kidnapped, tortured, raped, and murdered five teenage girls between June 24th and October 31st, 1979. These two dudes were Lawrence Sigmund Bittaker and Roy Lewis Norris. They became Boo, known... Bittaker. Boo, <laughs> Norris. Bittaker is literally the embodiment of the devil, in my opinion. He isn't the embodiment of an ugly bitch. He looks... Yeah, they, fucking... they both look terrible. He... Bittaker looks like if Frank Gallagher had a bowl of crack for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then as a midnight snack every day for, like, a hundred years. I... Yeah, it's a good explanation. But yeah, so they were named uh, the Toolbox Killers because most of, like, the tools that they used uh, to, like, torture these poor girls were what you would find in your uh, common toolbox. An example, pliers, ice picks, and sledgehammers. Those are not items you want to deal with. Oh, no. It's... Unless you were building a bookshelf. Would you Would you need a sledgehammer for a bookshelf? Uh, well, you need, like, a rubber mallet for, like, the back. A rubber the, mallet. Get, get the nails in. <laughs> Fair enough. Lawrence was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on September 24th, 1940. That makes him an old-ass bitch. He was about two years old when his birth parents gave him up to an orphanage. Can I, can I, can I spoil something? Go ahead. He dead. Oh, yeah, he did. Dead recently. Very glad. Very, very recently, yes. <laughs> very, very happy about this. It's going to make me feel a little better about the story, but also not whatsoever, so that's cool. I'm not a religious person, but if there is a hell, this guy's in the deepest part of it. This guy is in Satan's fucking butt crack, licking the shit out of it. And I'm glad. I hope it. I hope it's burning. I hope he just ate a lot of Mexican food, and it is just... He he went and he ate some uh, agua chile, and now, yeah. It's just not going good for Bitaker down there, or Wait, so I water, hope. Water chilies? Agua chili? It's like yeah. uh, shrimps cooked in the lemon lemon juice. <laughs> okay, so agua is water and chili's chili, so water chili. No, but there's shrimps cooked in that's what it's called. So but shrimp, shrimps, water chili? They're cooked in like lemon and lime juice. They're not actually like fried. They're just cooked from the acidity in the lime juice. And they're in like a really spicy sauce with like onions and all this other good shit. So it's shrimp and water sauce with chili. If you want to call it that, then you go right ahead. Crack I personally think it's delicious. Crack the code. It's very spicy. Cracked it. I love it. Cracked it. Okay, so Mr. Larry was adopted by Mr. and Mrs. George Bitteker. His father, George, worked at aircraft factories, which required the family to move all around the United States, from Pennsylvania to Florida, then to Ohio, and finally planted their roots in California. Uh, it's always either California or Florida. Yeah, yeah. Just the ends of the United States are just, <laughs> don't go to any any corner. That that one meme where it's like, why is it whenever something's wrong, it's always you two and it's California and Florida? <laughs> it, it's true. It's fucking true. I can't deny it's that so at all. It's so fucking true, dude. We're it's a bunch of shitheads. Florida sucks. California sucks. California, like, I just feel like we have the most serial killers, though. Like, the famous ones, at least. Like We've got a lot of them, dude. They're fucking, I, I don't trust Californers. Yeah, I'm moving out of this godforsaken shithole. So, back to the song. What's crazy is that Bitteker had an IQ of 138, but he dropped out of high school in 1957 after multiple run-ins with the law. And um, the prosecutor um, 
prosecutor, his name is uh, Stephen K. He is the fucking best. I love him so much. Uh, he said, he was like, Bitteker had an IQ of 138, but he had no common sense. <laughs> it's like, that's usually how that goes. When people are really book smart, they tend to not have a lot of common sense. You're kind of... Like, you're kind of in between that spectrum. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I am, and I'm fi- I'm fine with this. Like I'm you're not like, too book smart, but smart. I'm not too you're book like, smart. You're like pretty street smart in some stuff, and then terrible in other places, and then you're really book smart in some places, and then you just fall off the deep end. <laughs> I just drowned. That's it. Okay. Shortly after dropping out, he was uh, arrested for car theft, leaving a hit and run scene, and evading arrest. So he stole a car, left a hit-and-run scene, and then ran away from the cops. He was put into California Youth Authority until he was 19 years old. Shortly after his release, he was arrested yet again after violating the Interstate Motor Vehicle Theft Act, which I think think that just means he stole some more cars. Tell them what you said last time. Oh, yeah. Last time, I thought it was something to do with a motorcycle. (laughs) But it's not. She was like, yeah, it's motor just... theft, motorcycle, of course. <laughs> other it all things makes can't, sense. Other, other objects can't have motors. He was stealing mopeds. It's just, the, it's just the cycles. If it has in the name, it has a motor, idiot. <laughs> Fuck off, Caleb. Shut up, Caleb. I think That's I did basi- get defensive, too. I was like, no, dude, you shut did. up. <laughs> no, you did. That's basically what I got from it last time. And I was like, well, here we are. <laughs> oh, fuck. Dude, uh, God, I'm sweating right now. Yeah, I love the adventures of Brie. Yeah, it's, Make, it's, it's, it's a fun time. Too. It's a fun time. Sometimes <laughs> it's fun. Other times it's not too fun. It's a, it's a disaster on fire. It's <laughs> Travis Scott holding a microphone on fire. <laughs> Except it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyways, he was convicted in August 1959, and he was sentenced to 18 months in an Oklahoma prison. Soon I just want to say... This episode is so much better than the first one we recorded. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, the first one we recorded, I was just like, I got to literally the second paragraph, and I was like, I'm fucking up. Like, I, mm-mm, nope, this is not going Brie was fucking up, and she was reading, and I was just sitting here, just like, <laughs> slumped, and, and like, I had a headache, and I was just like, I want this to end, and by the end of it, I think I said three words. I looked at my audio file, and I was like, I think we need to redo this, because I said, like, five words this whole time. <laughs> Move on, move on, carry on. Okay, so yeah, after he went to the Oklahoma prison, uh, he was moved to a medical institution in Missouri for his behavior. He was released after only serving six months of his sentence. In December of 1960, he was arrested yet again for car theft and was sentenced to one to 15 years in May 1961. I just feel like that's a very uh, like large space in between the two numbers. What What is that? Oh, my Caleb pants. has the his pants, pants are off. off. The pants are off. I would love to take my pants off right now, but I can't. Woman problems. Am I right, guys? Am I right, yeah, fellas? You're right. <laughs> I mean, I technically could. You could only see the top half of my body, but... Yeah, exactly. You can't even see that my pants are off, but you know. I know they're off. <laughs> I thought they've been off, to be honest. <laughs> I thought they were, too, and then I realized they weren't, and I had a bad time. No. So. So, after he was sentenced to the fucking weird-ass sentence of 1 to 15 years... Uh, yeah, in May of 1961, a psychiatric evaluation was made, and they determined Bitteker to be a paranoid and borderline psychotic. With ah, little... the buttfuck dipshit defense. Yes. Defense, yes. With yes, little to yes. no control over his impulses. 
Despite all this shit, he was released in 1963, where he was picked up yet again for parole violation and suspected robbery. And then again, Wait, was this the was this the dumb one? What do you mean? Was this the really dumb one? Which the, what do you mean the dumb one? The, like the, the dumb the gro- man? The the grocery store incident? Oh no, I'm getting to that right now. When do we get I want to get to that. I have some stuff to say. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, when he was in prison, uh, he was evaluated again and determined yet again to be borderline psychotic. In July of 1967, he was arrested for theft and leaving a hit-and-run scene. He was sentenced to five years, but was released in April 1970. However, he was arrested in March 1971 for parole violation and burglary and was sentenced to six months to 15 years in October and only served three years of that sentence. Okay, let's throw this guy in a hole. Let's bury the hole. We're getting to the supermarket incident. Okay, let's get there. He was arrested again when he stabbed a supermarket employee just an inch below the heart. Bittaker had tried to steal a steak, and the employee followed him out to the parking lot, where he was then stabbed. Rewind! (laughs) Hold on. Hold the fuck up. How big was the steak? Was it worth stabbing a guy over? Like, How hungry are you? He's probably... I mean, he had a good job. So not that hungry. Okay, no. that leads me to another fucking rabbit hole. What the fuck are you doing stabbing people over a steak? You're telling me at this point, if you really want to stab some- you can't go and stab an animal? Like, I don't approve of that either, but you know what? Like, what the fuck? Like, it, that's how other people get steak, so maybe get into hunting? I mean, I'm a fucking- I don't eat meat anymore, so maybe I'm coming off as a shit fuck. But you know what? Possibly. What the, what the fuck? I personally don't think that- um, like any life is more important than another. So personally, don't don't do either. It's just crazy. End. Like, but what the fuck is your logic here? He got caught stealing a steak, and instead of just like handing it back to him, he decides to like kill him. And his intent was to kill him because he was aiming for the heart. Well, I mean, let's be fair. You're not gonna hand back the steak if you're if you're if you're if you're stealing a steak. You're committing to stealing a steak. You're a fucking steak thief. What the, I just what feel else like this went do? from zero but, to a hundred very quick. Like <laughs> no, yeah, maybe you didn't need to stab him. Maybe you maybe you just run with the steak. If anything, <laughs> you know, like I don't think it's worth all of that. You could have got another steak off of something else, maybe. You know, but I mean, and it was uh, the seventies, so steaks were probably pretty cheap. I'm just gonna steal Christy Elia's bit again. You're jumping off the plane with off the fucking plane with Skittles, bro. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> so luckily, the employee lived, and Bittaker was convicted of attempted murder. He was imprisoned at the California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo, where he met none other than Roy Lewis Norris. That means they were fucking right. The men's Probably. colony. <laughs> men's colony. Yeah, that's that's a weird name. That's a weird is that name the name for of the prison? prison. I think so. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's a really weird name for a prison. I thought that men's was like a colony. brothel. Yeah, I thought that was like I <laughs> a thought men they were, brothel. I thought they were like jerking each other off in like a movie theater or something. I don't. That doesn't hmm. sound like a prison. But you know, I mean, whatever you want to do, that's fine with me. It's fine. <laughs> Moving on to Roy. He had a pretty normal childhood, but it's also known that like he was like a misfit. Like he didn't really fit in with anybody. Didn't really have a lot of friends. Like, he was just kind of a loner. Well, yeah. Have you smelled the guy? Have you seen the man? He looks like he smells like eggs. He ended up dropping out of high school at 17 and joining the Navy. Boo. He spent most of his time in San Diego, California, and served four months in Vietnam. And he saw no combat during his time there. 
So I'm sure he didn't. He doesn't. I'm sure he didn't. There's he no was excuse. Sick. There's no I'm excuse sorry, for I'm like sorry, PTSD I'm... or any type of shit like that. You saw no combat. You didn't go through anything fucking stressful. Like, there's no, no excuse for this now. Don't tell me you did anything when you were sitting in a fucking dirt hole that you dug out and you were jerking off. That's probably and burning exactly yourself what he did. with a cigarette. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No, you didn't do anything, Bitaker. You're an idiot. This is Norris. We're talking about Shut Norris up, now. Norris, you <laughs> idiot. I thought we were still on Bitaker. Okay, I got lost for a second. No, we're on Norris now. Well, they're both idiots, so that's fine. Yeah, they both equally suck. Back I'm sure they San both Diego. did the same thing in Nam. <laughs> I don't I don't think Bitaker was in Nam. I'm sure he wasn't his head. <laughs> Fucking psychotic ass. <laughs> kidding me? Okay. Back in San it Diego, Roy was arrested for attempted rape in November 1969. And about three months later, while out on bail before his trial, he was caught trying to attack trying to attack a woman in her home. Luckily, the uh, cops showed up before anything had happened. He was oh, discharged shit. from the Navy for psychological problems. How about discharged from the Navy for being a shit fuck? Like, ugh, I just... Uh, let's, let's get him out of here. Yeah, it's... Next in May of... of oof, fuck that up. Next in May of 1970, he was still out on bail. He attacked a young female student on the San Diego State University campus. He had jumped this girl from behind, uh, hitting her on the head several times with a rock before slamming her head multiple times into the concrete. Jesus. It's very violent. I don't know why he was freed after this. I don't understand it, but carry on. Luckily, the woman survived, so Roy was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. He was then sent to a Toscadero State Hospital, where he was listed as a sex offender. He a spent- Toscadero. Is that what it's called? I'm pretty sure. Like, I said that last time as a joke, but yeah, I'm pre- I've heard that before. I'm pretty sure it's a Toscadero. It's A-T-A-S-C-A-D-E-R-O. A Toscadero? Is it a Toscadero. I think, that, I think it a it's Tos- a Okay. It's like a, Tusca- a Toscadero. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Don't Yeah, don't he only spent five years here, but we all know... Uh, that man should have probably stayed in there, and a lot of people wouldn't have lost their lives, but... No, oh, yeah, throw him in a hole. It's fine. He was, he was released because he was considered no further a danger to others. Only three mm. months... Yeah. Can you believe mm. that? Like, a uh... fucking professional sat down with this man, and they're like, okay, you've raped a woman, you've tried to attack a woman, and you almost killed somebody by hitting her head with a rock. Yeah, you're, you're clear. Free to go. You're you're good to go. You're good to like, go. Get on out of this... here. Go live your life. You're you're a, you're perfect. I think you should get a job with children. Oh yeah, amazing. Only three months after Roy's release, he attacked and raped a 27 year old woman. He was convicted of forcible rape and was sent to California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo. Just where... like forcible rape. Yeah. Isn't all so... rape forcible? I know. I was I don't know just why gonna say, that. is that like, is that actually like spelled out somewhere? Yeah. That's... Forcible okay. rape. Yeah. <laughs> Where... Oh, yeah. Okay. Men's Colony San Luis Obispo, he met Lawrence Bitteker. He stated that Bitteker had saved his life twice while in prison, which, quote-unquote, bound him to Bitteker according to prisoner's code. Whatever the fuck that means. How, how did he save his life? He probably, like, walked by, some guy didn't give him a muffin at lunchtime, and he was like, hey, dude, you better give him that muffin. No, and the it's guy because... was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to give you that muffin. And then the guy was like, no, really, give him the muffin. And then Bitteker just took a muffin out of the trash can. He was like, dude, I saved your life. Dude, uh, so in prison, like, 
prisoners will find out, like, what you did to get there. And I'm pretty sure they found out what the fuck Norris did and were, like, trying to beat his ass. And being the piece of shit that Bideker is, he went to go save his fucking life. Oh, shit. I've mixed up the names again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I keep fucking... Uh, sorry, I mix them up. They're both equally as shitty. Um, yeah, I, on, on that even... It really baffles me, like, how long they protected these men in prison and how they did not get killed much earlier. Because, I mean, they died from natural causes, right? Both of them, yeah. I think that is ridiculous. The fact that these men lived that long in prison and were protected for that long and were not torn to fucking bits. Like, even Dahmer, like, I'm not defending Dahmer by any, ch by any means whatsoever, but Dahmer was definitely a lot more um, remorseful than these men were and he got ripped to fucking shreds in prison yeah i don't know what the fuck is up with that they should have gotten their butt cheeks handed to them on a platter for doing what yeah. they did but they didn't maybe that it's just california prisons i'm not really sure dude that is fucking baffling to me so while the two were in prison they would discuss the ways that they would capture and rape the women when they got out Bideker had said that he had never raped a woman before, but he was interested in trying it. They had ideas to go after girls as young as 13 and as old as 19. I can't imagine, like, sitting down with somebody and discussing Having a something plan for this. And discussing something so fucking fucked up, dude. Like, it's, like, and they were just talking about it like it was, like, like their hobbies, dude. So, Norris was released on parole in January of 1979, uh, just about two months after Bitteker. After his release, he moved to Los Angeles with his mom in a trailer park, where it's believed him and his mom had an incestuous relationship. Now, uh... I could not find any evidence to back that up, but there is something that comes up later in the case that makes me believe it to be true. Now, I don't we know don't if... We don't like people that fuck their mothers. Now, I don't know if his if this was, like, consensual with his mother, if she was, like, participating, or if this was rape, but, yeah. I think they're both fucked. Yeah, I, I hear and you on that one, bud. she probably had something to do with it. Uh, that's my two cents. So, with Norris's Navy training, Norris's... Norris... His... With his Navy training, <laughs> he ended up landing... Norris his, Norris does his Navy training. Him Nori tra Navy training. He landed a job as an electrician. It was pretty good paying, not too bad of a pay, and for a fucking person with, like, a huge background of raping women and being in jail in mental institutions, like, that's a pretty good fucking job. Huge background of idiot. Yeah. Bitteker was also living in LA, and he got a good paying job as a machinist. It's fucking insane. He made, um, I think they said with overtime, he made almost six figures a year. Okay, so let me make sure I didn't fuck it. You said Bitteker? Bitteker made almost six figures a year with overtime. And who stole the steak? Bitteker. Bitteker. <laughs> All right, Bitteker. Um, take a step back. Buy a steak. Yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> it's it's rough, dude. All right. In February of 1979, the two meet up at a downtown bar and get to drinking and talking about their longtime plans. Rekindling their fucking little shitty friendship. Their first step was to buy a van, 
and I fucking hate this part. Bitteker bought I hate vans. Bitteker bought a 1977 GMC cargo van, which they unfortunately nicknamed the Murder Mac. Are you Scooby Doo? <laughs> like for real? Are you fucking Scooby Doo? I just. Do you think you're the fucking mystery solving how game? How it's of torture? How, like what the fuck? It's honestly how like playful they are about it. Like that's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm trying to equate to because like you know Scooby Doo went around. Scooby Doo and his gang went around solving these terrible mysteries, but they were like, oh ha ha ha, we caught you. What the fuck? It had not. Uh, oh. Fuck that up. It had no side windows in the back and, of course, a sliding passenger door. From February to June of that year, they would go on what they called test runs. They'd drive up and down Pacific Coast Highway and stop at beaches and shit to talk to younger girls and even taking their pictures. When the two, I didn't do that. I smoked weed and cried. Yeah. I've never d- uh, drove up and down Pacific Coast Highway, actually. I need to do that. Yeah, I just, I just cried. I was different. I was different. We not the same. So, yeah, when they were arrested, uh, police found that Bitteker had over 500 pictures of young girls. And then, oh, like... Good job, Shitteker. Le- Shitteker, that's a good one. We'll call him that. Uh, later, when he was, like, uh, on trial, he said um, that he had buried a lot of the pictures because not only did they take pictures of, like, future victims, they took pictures during the rapes, and the murders. And a lot more. And, yeah. As, unfortunately, we will learn to... Yeah. You kind of cut out there. I didn't know what you said. Anyways. I, I pressed my mute button too early. <laughs> Caleb's I said drunk. No. Caleb's drunk. On June 24th, 1979, they claimed their first victim, a 16-year-old girl named Lucinda or Cindy Schaefer. Cindy was picked up near Redondo Beach where Norris forced her into the van he then duct taped her mouth and tied up her arms and legs. Bitteker drove the van down a fire road out of sight from the highway near some San Gabriel Mountains. And it's like a canyon type area. Um, in a documentary on YouTube, they literally like take you up the same road and like all the shots where like the pictures were taken and everything. Like it's it's fucked up. Yeah. So they parked the van and both of these fucking shitheads raped her. After this, Bitteker grabbed a straightened-out wire coat hanger and wrapped it around her throat. He tightened it with a pair of pliers and strangled her to death. Fuck. And when they found her body, the coat hanger was literally the size of a silver dollar, dude. That's how tight they wrapped it around her neck. It's, yeah, it's fucked. Like, I'm shaking right now. I can hardly even picture it. They wrapped her body in a plastic shower curtain and dumped her into a nearby canyon. They literally just, like, threw her over the ledge of where they were. They just threw her into the bushes, right? Yeah, it was, like, really overgrown canyon. Yeah, because they show a shot of that. Yeah, they do. (sighs) Boy. They picked up an 18-year-old girl named Andrea Hall while she was hitchhiking on July 8th. Norris, this one fucks me up so bad, dude. Norris hid in the back of the van while Bitteker talked her into getting in. Once she was in, he offered her a drink from the cooler in the back of the van. When she got up to get it, Norris jumped her, tied her up, and taped her mouth closed. They took her to the same fire road that I stated earlier, and both of them raped her several times. Bitteker then dragged her from the van, and Norris left to go get more beer. 
When he came back, Andrea was gone and Bideker was looking at Polaroids he had taken of her during her torture, her murder, everything. He had stabbed her. And was this the time was this the time that like because I read about um Bideker and Norris had this weird thing where one of them would like they would be torturing them together and then one would be like, Okay, I'm gonna go for a walk. And then the other one would go in. They would do all their shit. They'd leave. They'd show them, like, pictures of each other of, like, you know, what they did. And then the other one would leave, and they'd be like, all right, I'm going on a walk. And they'd literally leave for, like, an hour. There was one instance, and I'm fucking sorry I fucked this up, but where it was one of the victims, and I think Norris went to the front of the van to literally throw up. Like, your body is telling you this is fucked up, and you still continue to do it. And this was right after he raped her. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's so, so the whole thing up, is he was he was okay with raping her, but right when it got to the torture, he was like, "Oh, I can't stand this!" Like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? Fucking like, piece you of shit, just dude. you just tortured her in a in another way. Like, that's all you did. The it's okay. This is pretty graphic, but the torture consisted of like breaking their bones with sledgehammers. Um, and not only was it physical torture, but there was a lot of mental torture. Like, they would tell these girls, like, "Oh, we're not gonna kill you." Um, we'll send you home right now. Uh, don't worry. It's almost over. And then they would kill him or they would tell him to scream louder. And then they would tell him to act like you like it. And then like the audio tapes of these girls, like, well, some, from what I've read, I couldn't find the actual audio tapes. Um, they were like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm just trying to like stay alive right now. Like, well, the, the thing is there are brief snippets of this tape that you can find and the parts of it that you can find are from jury members running out of the courtroom mm-hmm. while they're listening to the tape because they played the entire near 20-minute tape in the courtrooms. And when these girls, it was first a, a probably like uh, probably early 40s, late 30s woman running mm-hmm. out of the courtroom, like crying, getting ready to vomit. And you can hear some of the screams from the tape from um, Shirley Ledford. And that is what you hear in this. You can find the transcript online from pretty much the entire tape. It is one of the most fucked up things you will ever read, especially after hearing the brief little audio stints of her screams. And just knowing, like, that could be at any part of the transcript. We don't know where that is, and we don't know when it gets worse. Because when you read the transcripts, just imagining what she felt in these instances are one of the most fucked up things ever. Like Bree said, it was kind of like, you know, him telling her, I'm going to say a little bit of it. I'm going to keep it brief because you guys can look it up. I will say this is very graphic, but it was pretty much like, you know, suck daddy's dick. uh, Tell me you like sucking it. Stuff like that. Um tell me that you want me to come stuff like that and her having to repeat these things to get him to pretty much stop beating her and it pretty much kept going and it kept going and this was Shirley Ledford in specific but when it kept going he he raped her vaginally he raped her anally and pretty much after each session he pulled out his pair of pliers and he began to rape her and pretty much tear apart her insides with her said pair insides of pliers. and her um, genitalia were mutilated by the pliers. Yes, and it got so bad to the point that when Norris came in, that um, it, it was said that Norris pretty much, they would go in turns of raping. Bitteko yeah. would go first most of the time, or at least maybe all of the time. I'm not sure. I wasn't, you know. Yeah. But um, he would go first and Norris would go second. But Norris even said that after this session specifically with Sydney he was not able to continue 
and he was not able to rape this girl because her genitals and her anus were already so mutilated and bloody that he couldn't do anything. Yeah. And he actually, you know, he did fellatio, which if you guys don't know what fellatio is, is pretty much oral sex. He yeah. pretty much forced her to perform oral sex on him, and then they continued to do the sledgehammer thing. They hit her over 25 times in the elbow with a sledgehammer, breaking pretty it, much yeah. breaking her bones more and more each time mm -hmm. until finally she... The audio tape pretty much ends with her saying... Just kill me. Just please get it over she, with. She I was begging, begging for them to kill her, dude. It's, yeah. It's one of the most fucked up things I've ever read. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's really bad. So, yeah, when Norris got back, uh, Bitteker was looking at the Polaroids. Um, he had stabbed her in both ears with an ice pick and then strangled her, then threw her body over a cliff. So, did you see the clip of him saying, of the, um, I don't know if it was a judge specifically or if it was an attorney asking him if he'd ever handled an ice pick yeah. and him saying no? He said no. That, fucking liar. That makes me so fucking Like, angry. are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, there, there's evidence. There is fucking so much evidence against you and you're gonna you sit You fucking recorded here. yourself. I hate, I hate, I hate is not a strong enough word for no, what I fucking not. feel towards it's these not. guys, dude. Like- I, this is by far the most angry I've ever fucking been at a case, dude. I, ugh. Okay. So anyways, on September 3rd, while driving near Hermosa Beach, they spotted two young girls sitting on a bench and offered them a ride. The two girls were Jackie Gilliam and Leah Lamp. Uh, Jackie was 15 and Leah was 13. They accepted their offer, but the girls became suspicious when Bitteker parked near a tennis court in the suburbs, and it's fucking crazy because there was people playing tennis, and she yeah. actually and got let's the door open. reiterate it again. These are th this is a 13 and a 15-year-old yeah. girl. They actually got the door open, and then Norris, like, just in time, like, covered her mouth and brought her back into the van, and he told the people, like, that were outside, oh, she's just having a bad acid trip. They could have saved her fucking life, dude. Like, Yeah, that is the most ridiculous thing. Like, even... I don't know. I feel like I've had friends that are on a bad acid trip, and even if you are, that's usually a time to help someone, even if your friends are saying, like, oh, she's on a bad acid trip. Like, no, yeah, maybe you should help that person anyway, because maybe this person is probably on... If they, Even if you're on a bad acid trip, this person is probably on a bad acid trip, too, because this person mm -hmm. is, and it's not going to go down well. Nope. I have literally seen people almost jump off of roofs from bad acid trips. So, you know, maybe you should fucking help anyway. Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, so Norris hit her over the head uh, with a bat, and then a small fight broke out, but with Bitteker's help, Norris was able to, like, get the girls down and tie him up. They headed back to the classic fire road that they frequented. They kept the girls alive for two days, torturing and raping them the entire time with a coat hanger and pliers. And during this time, dude, like, the girls would be tied up. They would give them, like, sleeping pills and everything. And they would literally, like, sleep next to these girls. Yeah, like, pretty much making, like, an intimate moment with these people that you're torturing. I just, I just can't believe any of this. They made an audio recording of these events. And, yeah, that's where the tape recorder comes in. Eventually, Bitteker stabbed Jackie in both ears with an ice pick. Unfortunately, she did not die from this. So they both took turns strangling her until she died. Bitteker then started strangling Leah while Norris hit her over the head with a sledgehammer seven times. 
They threw the girls over a cliff and the ice pick was still in Jackie's head. They actually found her fucking skull with the ice pick still embedded into like where the ear canal would be. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. This is why I know that the thing that with his mother, this was, I'm, I mean, yes, this was nefarious on his end, but she definitely had something to do with this. You don't have this much pent up anger yeah. toward women if nothing happened to you in your life. Like you have to have something very traumatic with a woman in your life to do something like this. And um, and I think Norris's testimony or Bitteker's testimony, um, he said that on the on Jackie's tape, which they never actually found because Nor uh, Bitteker buried it. But um, yeah, they only found they only found a uh, yeah Ledford's. Um, on Jackie's tape, like uh, you would be able to hear Norris saying, "No, I think it was Bitteker who said it." Norris saying for Jackie to act like she was his cousin. Oh, God. Yeah, so without a doubt, the incest between him and his mom happened. That kind of like solidified it for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess we're not saying it's one hundred percent factual, but we're saying in our minds. And yeah, in my opinion, I feel that it did happen. I should have said it like that. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Next, on September thirtieth, they kidnapped a girl named Shirley Sanders. They maced her and forced her into their van. They both raped her, but luckily she escaped. She went to police, and they showed her pictures of the two, and she identified them as Roy and Lawrence. They weren't arrested after this. Like, you have somebody here saying, like, okay, I was raped by these two men. Here they are. Go fucking get them. And they didn't. You know, and you know what? This happens time and time again in, like, fucking in beyond our fucking me, dude. world. It, the... The accountability that we have for listening to rape victims is basically non-existent. Yeah. Like we, yep. we should take much more responsibility for not looking deeper into these things and not handling this shit. Like, it's the same thing that happened with fucking... I'm going to point this out because it's going viral right now, um, and it has been for, like, the past year-ish. R. Kelly. Like, R. Kelly had been in the... Like around for thirty fucking years, mm-hmm. and people just kind of like moved on from things. Kind of like, oh well, you know, it's more of like something that you just shrug off, and it's like, oh well, they did it, but it's not that bad. The amount of times, the amount of times that sexual abuse is shrugged off is fucking disgusting, dude. And not even shrugged off, blatantly ignored. ignored. Yeah, just fucking straight up ignored. It's fucked. It's it is so fucked up. And I can only imagine, you know, like in 79 or yeah 79 how much worse this was like because and you know what in my opinion rape is one of that and not maybe even like aside from murder that is the worst yep. crime that you can do mm-hmm. to anyone <sighs> to fucking anyone and it is literally one of the things that in this world especially in America that we take incredibly lightly it, it shouldn't it should not be taken lightly at all it's the reason roman polanski is able to fucking put out movies in our world and win so many fucking awards for years and years and years it's the reason fucking woody allen is able to do shit and is still respected in the industry it's the reason that even after weinstein is in jail we still have people supporting and i'm not saying like don't support the art don't don't watch movies or whatever cuz i get it weinstein has made a ton of movies and there's a bunch of people that you know you you are drawn to the art and not the 
not the person. And I get that. I totally get that. And I think it's kind of like it goes from person to person. Like you either you have to decide for yourself whether you're okay with it. I think if you understand the context, then yes, you know, watching art, listening to art, whatever that is made by a shitty person. If you understand that, that person is a shitty person, you know, you're not supporting them, you're not giving money to them, etc then yeah, you know, I get it. You know, it's hard not to because there's so much entertainment in this world that we're drawn to. Yeah. But it doesn't, it, we, the fact that we have been like holding this art so much higher than the person and we have not been convicting these people and then still maybe like, you know, if you want to appreciate the art you do, I think that's really fucked up. Yeah. I think that's really fucked up. I'm not the person to say, hey, don't listen to this person. Don't involve yourself with anything that this person does because sometimes you might even do it accidentally mm -hmm. but you have to know you have to know what these people do you have to be aware of what they've done you need to know what they're convicted for and if you don't you know make a make an effort to find that out definitely i don't know that's my two cents yeah. we can move on so next on october 31st they kidnapped 16 year old lynette ledford raping and torturing her while they were driving around L.A. instead of going to their usual hideout. And uh, Lynette was leaving a Halloween party. Like, and it's fucked up because she got a ride home from some dudes at the Halloween party, and they asked her, they stopped at a gas station, and they asked her for money, and she didn't have any. So they kicked her out. And then she went hitchhiking, and that's when she came into contact with Bitteker and Norris. Yep. Bitteker stabbed Lynette several times and tortured her with pliers. The entire time of her torture, her screams were tape recorded. Also, while Bitteker repeatedly beat her elbows with a sledgehammer, demanding that she stop screaming. Eventually, he strangled her with a wire coat hanger, using the pliers to cinch a loop around her neck. This time, they decided to leave her body on a random front lawn in Hermosa Beach to see a reaction in the newspapers. They they put her in, it was like a bed of uh, like poison ivy or like an ivy bush or something like that. And they posed her body with her legs open for just another thing to degrade her. She was found the next day, only a few days after the arrest of the hillside strangler, Angelo Buono. Buono. I can't pronounce that. I'm sorry. Dumb name. Okay, so this whole time, Norris had been telling his prison friend, Joseph Jackson, or Jimmy Dalton. They're probably both fake names. I don't know. He's... Oh, yeah. yeah. I've read up on these guys. I think it, they're both fake yeah, names. I'm, I don't think either I'm pretty of them are sure real. Like, legitimately, that's not... <laughs> to use a fake name because he's been in prison, you know, and he has charges and everything. So I understand why he used a fake, a fake name, but yeah. Yeah, for once, this isn't a joke on my end. I legitimately think those are both fake names. No, like, yeah. Those are not real. Legit fake names. So yeah, he had been telling his friend all about the murders, and Jimmy didn't take any of it seriously until the news about Lynette came out. So he contacted his, contacted his lawyer, and they went to the Redondo Beach police. Paul Bynum was the detective assigned to the case. Norris had... Sorry. Paul Bynum was then assigned to the case. Norris had also told his friend that there had been three more incidents where they had kidnapped or attempted to kidnap girls, but they either escaped or were released. In one story, uh, Norris had stated that he had maced a young girl and dragged her into his van. He and Bideker both raped her before releasing her. This matched a police report filed by Robin Robeck on September 30th. And although she reported this to police, they were unable to identify her attackers until now. It's super fucking sad, and I'll say it at the end, um, what happens to Bynum. But yeah, I'll, I'll keep going. 
Bynum immediately dispatched an investigator to Robin's okay. house in Oregon. They showed her multiple mugshots, and without any hesitation, she was like, it was these guys. Like, 100%, it was fucking Bitteker and Norris. So, even though she had identified their mugshots, uh, she was unable to identify them in a police lineup. And I'm pretty sure there's, like, a good psychological explanation for that. Like, you're coming face-to-face. She's fucking terrified. You're coming face-to-face with your fucking attackers. Like, these two guys who kidnapped and raped you, like... You're going to be scared out of your mind, and I I understand that completely. That's probably, like, the most anxiety-filled day of her I life. I can't even imagine, dude. After the two were linked to the rape, Norris was placed under surveillance, and he was arrested at Hermosa Beach for selling pot, of all things, and violating his parole on November 20th. Um, sorry if you guys hear screaming in the background. There's, like, a child screaming on Bree's end. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's my nephew. He's He's a, he's a, he's a grumpy boy today. He's one, so... Yeah, he's one and a half, so sorry about that. That same day, Bitteker was arrested at a motel uh, where he was living for the rape of Robin Robeck. While searching Bitteker's apartment, they found several Polaroids of young girls at either Hermosa Beach or Redondo Beach, and some were even, like, at local high schools and shit. All of the pictures were taken without the girls' knowledge. Or it seemed like it. Yep. Like, they fucking didn't know it. It's just fucking creepy. Gross. That also makes you think, how often are people taking pictures of you? Yeah, dude. That's fucking creepy. They had also found pictures of Andrea Hall and Jackie Gillum. Uh, They found them inside the van. Also inside the van, they found a sledgehammer, a plastic bag filled with lead weights, a book detailing how to locate police radio frequencies, a jar of Vaseline, two necklaces, which were later confirmed as belonging to two of the victims, and a tape recording of a young woman screaming and pleading for mercy while being tortured and sexually abused. <sighs> it's fucked. Lynette Ledford's mom actually confirmed the voice on the tape was her daughter's. I can't imagine having to, like, confirm it. She, um, I read a little bit into her. She had to listen to the full yeah. entire tape. It, I think it was about I... 11 minutes. Or 17. I think what everything I read, yeah, I think it's close to 17. Yeah. Um, it's because close to 20 minutes. She had to listen to pretty much a 20-minute torture tape of the last moments of her daughter's life. And I cannot imagine how horrid that is. It's fucking awful. In Bitteker's Martel, they also found a bunch of bottles of an acidic material. Later, investigators discovered that he had planned to use this on their next victim. And they found that out from Norris's confession. So, do we know, was he planning to use this post-mortem? I'm or, not Or, sure. like, was it to dispose of the bodies, or was he planning on using this on live victims? I'm thinking he was planning to use this on live victims, because they weren't, like, to dispose of the bodies, they were just throwing them away, essentially. Like, Yeah, they were you're just right, because he was kind of just leaving them out in public. Yeah, well, the last one they left out in public, uh, but the other, the other four, they threw them, uh, you know, over a canyon or over a cliff or something like that. So I don't, I don't really think they would use it to dispose of the body. I think they were going to use it, I think, in yeah, my opinion, cause... they were going to use it to hurt while they were still alive. Yeah, because it's not far off from what they were doing. Yeah. So at first, Norris, of course, denied everything. But when he was shown all the evidence they had against him, he was like, all right, I'm in deep shit. So he started to confess. He confessed everything, but he was Saying like... like a fucking canary. He was... Making it sound like it was, like, more Bitteker than it was him. 
And he even went into deep details about all of the incidents and even said that their last victim begged to be killed so she didn't have to suffer the torture any longer. It's said that Norris was very casual and unconcerned during this entire time. During his whole fucking conviction. I mean, his whole confession, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. fuck, dude, it's so fucked up. And, like, this, um, what's his name? Stephen K. He was actually the same uh, prosecutor that got the, the Manson family murders. He was the same one on that. Yeah. So, um, he is a fucking great guy. He, like, fought for the death penalty for these guys. Like, he was so worried that, like, there wasn't going to be enough evidence. But I feel like if you have as much evidence as this, you have a confession, you have tapes, there's probably DNA all over the fucking van. Like, that's enough evidence. Go ahead and fucking send them straight to hell. So, I don't know if you have the same thing that I read up on, but there was actually one detective on the case... I'm not sure if it was an FBI agent or a detective or whatnot, but um, I read multiple accounts, multiple trusted sources that said that this officer, he pretty much, I think he committed suicide at 39. Yeah, that was... um. And he wrote... That was Paul... You have the that name? was Paul Bynum. So yeah, he wrote in his suicide note that this case haunted him and every pretty much every time he fell asleep, he thought of this case. Yeah, Paul Bynum... All the fucking time and... He wrote in his suicide note, pretty much, take these fucking guys down. I was gonna, I was gonna get to that. Um, Paul Bynum, uh, Stephen Kay said in the documentary that, like, he loved women. Like, he held women so much higher that, than he held himself. And that this case made Paul ashamed to be a man. And he just, like, he it, couldn't... It makes me fucking ashamed, honestly. He had, like, multiple m mental breakdowns, like, during listening to the tape. Like, it... It's so fucked up, dude. At the trial, Norris and Bitteker were both charged with murder, kidnapping, forcible rape, sexual perversion, and criminal conspiracy. Bitteker was convicted on February 17th, 1981, and sentenced to death, but he would live for pretty much fucking 40 years. Yeah. Wait, am I doing that right? 40 years? Way too long. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. It was 30, 40 yeah. years. He lived for 40 more years before he died at the age of 79 on December 13th, 2019, due to natural causes in San Quentin State Prison. Norris was spared a death sentence for going on trial against Bitteker, and he tried to appeal in 2009 but was denied parole. Fortunately, Norris died on February 24th of this year, 2020, in a California medical facility in Vacaville, California. So they're I find both that fucking dead. That they both died. They both died very close to each other, too. It's They died... Okay, so they got out... Within three months of each they other. They got out... It's insane. Within two months of each other, and they died about two months in between each other. Fucking insane. You're dude. a match made in shit. Yeah, it's fucking awful. And, like, it's crazy because um, in the documentary, uh, Stephen K was talking about how, like... Because uh, Bitteker was supposed to die, like, quite a few times, but he kept on, like... Uh, making like bullshit up fucking getting cases against the prison like even one time for giving him a broken cookie they're like they gave me a oh broken yeah california cookie. is ridiculous yeah and so there he was like yeah they gave me a broken cookie just to piss me off and also he uh filed a complaint or whatever the fuck that they wouldn't let him talk to norris anymore like do yeah, you and really, it's really think, fucking irritating like do you really fucking think <laughs> that the guy you fucking 
committed these god-awful horrendous crimes with that they're gonna let you fucking talk to him like no dude no you're yeah in and it troubles prison. me how many times it really troubles me how many times his murder was delayed and how many times it was delayed just for him to make some bullshit excuse over something like it it really annoys me how much we care about it, these people that do all these heinous dude. crimes like i get it we're more civilized than them you know we have to be above them or whatever but you know what i you need to be fucking tortured and murdered i'm sorry in my opinion as soon as they got found guilty with all of this evidence they should have been taken into a jail cell and been tortured murdered and then shot right in the fucking head i could give a shit less like what a waste of fucking time of fucking money like dude what a fucking waste like he is literally just a waste both of them are a waste of life and Oh Bitter yeah, hurt? our money has been going to the, to the, to their lives pretty yeah. much. And dude, like a uh, Bitteker had like protection <sighs> all throughout the prison, like even like walking around or anywhere. And but since he was on death row, like he didn't get any yeah, like everywhere recreation time. He didn't get like anything like that. He did get a TV in his room. No, though. but but the thing is, he was protected. Yeah, he had protection, which he was protected. He was getting meals. It's fucked. I'm sorry, you don't deserve meals, you don't reserve any human necessities, because you are fucking scum, and I'm glad you're dead. I'm pissed that it didn't happen sooner, but I'm glad you're fucking dead. Agreed. Well, that was the case, guys. I am super fucking sweaty, and I can't wait to get out of this room. (laughs) That was a fucking doozy, dude. Like, I feel like I can finally breathe now. I hate talking about this. Yeah, so fair enough. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. You know, thanks for bearing with us for the last couple weeks and, uh, you know, dealing with all our issues. And uh, back to True Crime Thursdays, you know, we'll see how everything goes for the next couple weeks, month or whatever. Things are going to be definitely a little different until everything picks back mm-hmm. up. But, you know, we're doing our best. So if you guys like this, uh, if you like the episode, you like the show, go ahead and tell a friend about it because that helps a lot. You know, maybe they'll like it and they'll want to listen to more. Maybe they'll hate and it. Who knows? Maybe they'll lead to other stuff. Maybe they'll hate it and they'll yeah, come that's and beat fine. us up. That's fine, too. And if you want to buy some of our merch or check out some of our stuff on our website that I should probably update pretty soon, <laughs> um, you can go over to horrorsoupsucks.com. And if you want to leave us a review and if you want to get some free stickers, buy leave a review at hats. iTunes. Buy the hats. Yes. Do it. Do that. So <laughs> if you want stickers, though, because we're on stickers now, um, go over to iTunes, leave a review, leave five stars, send an email at horsesoup at yahoo.com and say like review sticker or something and I'll send you some stickers. And then uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at horsesoup, Facebook at horsesoup, and I think YouTube's at horsesoup too. Yes, And uh, I'm also on Letterboxd at horsesoupcaleb. Um, I recently just reviewed, what did I review? What did I watch a minute ago? Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is it. That is it. How do I, I know like more about movie. your life than you do? So, I didn't like that movie, so shit it on me. It seemed like you liked guys. it, but you just weren't a huge fan. Um, I res- I kind of respect it. Didn't have this fun. This discussion's for a later guys. time.